Until now, we've talked about the importance of creating an environment where everyone feels free, even obligated, to express disagreement. Let's talk about what this means for leaders, and let's talk about how to keep this from becoming counterproductive. If you're an owner, or a CEO, or a top manager listening to this podcast, what is your reaction to this point about making sure everyone feels free to disagree? Did it make you uncomfortable? I can tell you the reality of it certainly makes me uncomfortable sometimes. We humans prefer to be agreed with. That's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's the most natural thing in the world. It's one reason why we like to rise in our management level, so that we have more influence and can make sure our own ideas get heard and executed. But maybe there's a middle ground. If you think about leadership as being able to win every argument, a lot of bad things can flow from that. Unless you're a rare genius and all the best ideas really are yours, then you may be creating an atmosphere where the best ideas won't rise to the top. And if that's true, then your customers will lose, the shareholders will lose, and the talent in your company will be exasperated and stifled. If you think deeply about it, an effective leader really wants to have a different kind of influence. The influence to see that the best ideas rise, that the right things get done. So it starts with having the right end in mind. If you keep customer value, shareholder value, and rewards for talent first in your mind, then you'll act very differently from someone who's mainly about showing how smart he is. This is what Jim Collins means in his book, Good to Great. Collins argues that a common feature of great companies was what he called level five leadership. According to Collins, a level five leader has a mix of personal humility and professional will. By the way, Good to Great is a great read, even a great occasional reread. Anyway, a critical test for you as a leader is to make sure you know how you're evaluating yourself. Do you need a lot of win-lose rewards, like winning arguments? Or do you have a high tolerance for feeling maybe unsuperior in the moment if you're also forceful about the right outcomes? And by the way, this is also how biographers of Ulysses Grant describe him in the field. It was said that the staff treated him with, quote, familiar reverence, close quote, meaning deep respect for his results and his thinking, but not a lot of personal kowtowing. When you ask yourself, am I sure I evaluate myself this way? It's possible to be wrong, because some of how we see ourselves is conscious or explicit, but some of this is subconscious or implicit. A good test is your emotions. When do you find yourself feeling exasperated? Is it when someone seems more knowledgeable than you? That should be a warning sign. Or is it when you see a conversation getting confused and you don't know how to redirect it in a positive way? That should tell you you're thinking the right way. You may be stuck at times, but at least you're thinking about the right outcomes. So this is a critical self-audit. And for listeners who may not have a lot of authority or influence in your organization, you should ask, do leaders here follow these principles? Or do they allow or even promote productive disagreement? If not, it's hard to imagine it's a very healthy environment long term. Can you fix that? Should you check your options? 
now let's back up a little. Up until now in this podcast, I've been a little provocative to the leaders who may be listening, meaning, are you sure you're the right kind of leader? But it's critical to get something else out there. There can be very legitimate reasons that we leaders might hesitate to promote disagreement. Namely, how sure are we that we know how to channel it well? Disagreement is only productive if it's, well, productive. And a lot of disagreement isn't. So how do you manage disagreement so that it creates a triple win? Well, the first is making sure everyone in the conversation is thinking like an owner, that we all have a shared end in mind. The standard should be what's good for the company. If you're not starting with that as a given, that's the first thing to fix. At Latrum, a very high percentage of net profits is distributed among employees to make sure everyone who can affect outcomes has a lot of skin in the game. A second critical thing is to make sure everyone's seeking truth, not victory. So this is not a high school debate team. We're not trying to score points. We're trying to get the best answers on how to raise customer value or reduce costs. So all of us disagreeers need to check our egos at the door and be ready to change our minds if we hear new considerations. This is really a near cousin to what we're already asking of leaders, to push for the best outcomes, not seeming smart. But it's important that everyone else, not just the leaders who's involved in the conversation, is thinking that way also. A third element is making sure that we're thinking win-win, that it's not personal. Some people think when we ask them to disagree that we're asking them to be disagreeable. We're not. We expect everyone to use his accumulated time of life on earth and the judgment that comes with that to handle disagreement in a respectful, friendly way. And then another critical thing is what Stephen Covey calls seek first to understand, then to be understood. We've already talked about seeking truth, not victory. And this is just maybe a riff on that, but it's worth emphasizing. In The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey dedicates a full chapter, a full habit to this point. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. There's a ton in this. The chapter is worth reading and even rereading. But a starting point is, if you're going to disagree, make sure you really understand what you think you're disagreeing with. A test is this. Before I speak, let me first confirm that I really get your point by stating it for you in terms that you say are correct statements of your views. It's a really good habit to revert to when you see disagreement getting heated or getting stuck. And then it's good to have tools for resolving disagreement. I've mentioned Jay LaPere before. He's the chairman of the board and CEO of the Latrum Corporation. One of his pieces of advice to me early in my career there was, there really are only three reasons people can disagree at least assuming they're well-intentioned. Either they're applying different values or goals or optima, or they have different information, or they're just misunderstanding each other. What's an example of different values or goals? Sometimes it's very easy to get wrapped up in my own department. What are we trying to do in my department? And I'm not thinking about the company as a whole. And so to understand that, what's good for the company as a whole necessarily may not be the same thing that optimizes the metrics in your own department. Another example of different values or goals might be if we insist that every investment have a payback of inside two years, that's a very different standard from allowing investments that may have a payback of 
inside five years. So we can have the same information, but we might disagree about whether something's a good idea if we're starting from a different definition of what the requirement is. And then different information is self-evident. Some people have data that we might not have had already, and that changes our mind. And then we may just be misunderstanding each other. If you've been in work life long enough, it's likely that you've been in a meeting where people are disagreeing, and you begin to wonder what they're really disagreeing about. It may seem to you that they're just misunderstanding each other. And if you've noticed that, and if you are the kind of person who's found a way to clarify that, that's a huge value add to help people see they may be just using different language to say the same thing. And then the final thing that makes disagreement bearable is knowing when to stop. Sometimes, with the best of intentions, we just can't get there. And it takes judgment to know how much more discussion is really going to help and which disagreements we should just let go of, at least for now. And it's fine for a leader to say, look, I may be wrong, but I've listened to you and I just don't understand why we shouldn't go ahead. So that's my decision.